From yesterday's innovations to tomorrow's technologies, this is MarketScale's EdTech Today with your host, Kevin Hogan. Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest edition of EdTech Today. My name is Kevin Hogan, and I'm your host. And with me today is Lee Blurry. Lieb is co-founder of an organization called Kids Read Now, as well as a new company called Caption.Cool. Uh, Kids Read Now partners with schools to eliminate the K-3 summer reading slide. Schools are using their innovative in-home solutions to close and eliminate the achievement gap caused by the summer and now, unfortunately, the COVID slide. Uh, in 2016, 4,000 students in nine districts participated. Last year, over 50,000 K-3 students in 170 school districts received over 400,000 books uh, to STEM and to aid in the current crisis that we're experiencing. So, uh, Lieb, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Uh, let's start and talk about how COVID has uh, affected your organization so much and how much your organization has been able to step up. Thank you, Kevin. Um, it's so interesting, as we mentioned just before we went on the air, uh, this, the changes that COVID have made and, and how we do things and uh, what we do. And, um, you know, for example, uh, a year ago, uh, we uh, would have normally had a celebration of summer reading at a school. And uh, if you can see, I popped that on the background for a moment with uh, 300 kids and this principal and everyone else running around and it's just a completely different, different environment. Um, Absolutely, and... it actually makes me a little nervous seeing everybody coming <laughs> in like that. <laughs> so first let me ask, uh, where does this podcast find you? Uh, I'm in Troy, Ohio. Okay. Um, so we're uh, just north of Dayton, Ohio, out in the Midwest. I have grew up in, on the East Coast and run companies on the East Coast and in Ohio been out in Ohio 30 years and it's a very different environment. And so as I mentioned in my intro, I wanted to have you on the show for many reasons. Uh, first and foremost, because uh, your organization really seems to be providing a real solution uh, to a, a current situation in which students are stuck at home, stuck on screens. Um, your solution kind of solves both of those things. So I wanna talk a little bit about that and talk a little bit about the digital equity uh, aspect of this, uh, as well as parental involvement. So let's let's get started. Talk us uh, through how your organization got started, and this was well before, well before the pandemic, right? Well before uh, BP. I used to run a company called One Call Now. Started in two thousand one, right after nine eleven. We would send automated phone calls, text messages to uh, schools and parents. Uh, so on a typical busy, you know, uh, snowy Sunday morning, snowy uh, winter morning, I'd call 7 million parents in an hour and tell them to go back to bed. <laughs> uh, but we had about 7,000 schools and school customers as clients. And we were looking at, I was reading an article on the summer reading slide and saying, you know, is this real? And my wife was teaching fourth grade and she said, oh my God, it's horrible. I mean, the kids come back in the fall and we spend six weeks trying to catch them up to where they left in May. And I said, well, how does anyone fix this? She said, well, year-round school might work, but that's un untenable. Uh, so we, I said, well, can we fix it with something else? 
And we started looking and we tried, uh, we looked at summer schools, we looked at summer camps, we looked at reading buddy programs, we looked at book giveaway programs, and we started a couple of different projects and we threw a couple million dollars into the project over five years uh, to say, how can we create a uh, replicable, standard, effective summer reading program to eliminate the summer reading slide affordably and effectively? And uh, what we ended up, uh, what we ended up with, is Kids Read Now. And uh, so this that program in the last five years has grown from uh, five thousand to sixty-five thousand kids. This coming summer, we hope to have probably 80,000 kids. Uh, we're in 19 states and 190 school districts. Uh, we serve K-3 children, uh, so leaving kindergarten to leaving third grade. And they have a very simple model. Uh, let kids pick books that they want to read using a catalog approach, you know, a la Scholastic. Uh, let the teacher help guide them for the books that are at the right reading level for their grade but not just necessary for their grade, but for their reading level. We have a lot of second graders at a fourth grade level, but sadly we have a lot of fourth graders at a kindergarten level. So pick books that you'll be able to read. We have a lot of read to me books that younger kids will read with their parents. And uh, we mail a book every week home to parents. So every kid loves getting mail and uh, you know, paraphrasing the AOL routine, you've got mail. Uh, from the 90s, uh, we deliver books by mail. Hmm. And uh, over the pandemic, we used to have a family reading event uh, that I saw showed on the screen very briefly, or something like it, where parents would come and learn about summer reading. We moved all that virtual in a, in a matter of weeks over in March, April. Uh, we, mail, we used to have a, a few books that we'd sip to the first couple which send to the school. And we find that we'll mail every book out. And we did that this summer. Uh, took a major financial hit doing so, uh, but we, it was the right thing to do and needed to be done. Yeah. Uh, we also started the Book Bridge program over the summer for COVID, where uh, we could instantly, within one week of getting a purchase order, start mailing books to kids. Mm. Normally, it takes two months to get, it, get the order set up. So uh, it's gratifying to get books in the hands of kids. It's effective. And we have some great independent research that shows it works. So by the sounds of it, you already had a remote uh, model already in place uh, when it comes to distributing the books, right? That's correct. Uh, the, the way it used to work was the first, you picked nine books and the first three would show up the last couple of weeks of school as a summer kickoff event. And then every week we'd mail another book. So we already had relationships with the post office and mailing machines and mailing systems and software and labeling and, and wrapping and heat shrinking. And all of that uh, gave us a good head start over the summer uh, to turn, instead of mailing, you know, handing out three and mailing six, we just mailed all nine. Right. Another interesting aspect you uh, pick up on is the idea of parental involvement. <clears throat> now, up until March 13th of last year, when I would speak to EdTech executives in terms of what they're doing and the products they're creating, parents never came into the conversation. Now, all of a sudden, that parents are the teaching assistants for their students at home. Um, parents are very much in that equation. That, talk a little bit about that, because you already have the parents involved, right? 
Sure. I mean, a lot of schools love to talk about parental engagement, and they do that to varying degrees during the school year. But over the summer, parental engagement is pretty much have a nice summer, see you in the fall. And then what did you do over your summer vacation is the first paper you write in September. Right. Uh, what we've been doing, uh, and again, my one call now experience where we could call 7 million people an hour, uh, we had the technology in place to do some of that stuff. So we could interface with all the different student information system databases. We get the parents' phone number, text number, email address, and home address. And we send a text message or a voice message or an email message or a push app message um, in the parents' language of choice critical part. Uh, so we'd send Spanish messages and, and, to, uh, and Vietnamese messages. We run our tech support over the summer in 100 languages mm. so we can talk to parents in the language that they choose and the language that they know. And then inside of each book with parental engagement, we put a sticker and that sticker has questions. So uh, four questions, creativity question, text to text, text to self, text to uh, world, Curious George was a monkey, he got in trouble. Talk about a time you got in trouble. Curious George is from Africa. Talk about other things you know from Africa. He was taken away from his family. How would that make you feel? Um, write a letter to the author about what you think about the story. All of those parental engagement pieces are helping to turn teachers into reading helpers. Mm -hmm. In the same way that a school will have a uh, reading intervention uh, co-op or a paraprofessional. Our objective is to give parents the tools to be that paraprofessional, as effective as that paraprofessional, and how to teach your child to read. Because parents just don't know. So we give, uh, we text tips every week with a video. Uh, how to help a kindergartner is different than how to help a third grader. So all of that communications, engagement over the summer, every single week, keeps kids engaged, keeps the parents engaged, and keeps the post office running. Yeah. What changes have you seen to your program as a result of the pandemic? I mean, has uh, things accelerated? Well, it, it certainly continued through the summer. Uh, and we had, uh, uh, we're proud that when we send out a quali uh, we send out quantitative statistical analysis, although no one did testing this past spring, but normally we see a two and a half month gain over the summer. Mm. For 50 bucks, that's about a great deal. Sure. And we send out a quantitative study to teachers and parents, and we get thousands of responses back with an 85% uh, yes, I love this program report from parents and teachers. Uh, in the COVID, we got a lot more of that even, you know, than ever. You know, my kid was, I was quarantined. We stayed at home, getting a book in the mail, talking about it. Um, getting on a FaceTime with grandma talking about a book, getting on uh, a Zoom call with my, you know, my other child who's in a different state and quarantined. So all of that helped turn books into communication tools. And it made a very big difference. And we saw a lot of, uh, a lot of parents who were frustrated with the shutdown, but this is something that just came in their household. Uh, a continued frustration, of course, is lack of internet access, yep. uh, lack of connectivity. Uh, at the beginning of the shutdown, you know, 40% of American kids had nothing, had no internet connection at home. 
uh, and about 25% when you probe it, it was a smartphone for mom with a, a limited data plan. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, that all of that crisis leads up to the frustration and lack of proficiency in reading, and we're trying to address that. Well, it seems to me that one of the positive aspects of your program is that it is not only asynchronous, to use that phrase, uh, but also you don't necessarily need internet access at all in order to participate and, and succeed in the program, right? I mean, we're talking physical books here. Uh, so that's one way you can certainly address that digital equity issue. As long as you have a mailing address, um, you can work in your program. Correct. Uh, and you can, you can still have that dynamic without the need to be online all the time. That is exactly right. And uh, that leads us to the next step is that under the pandemic, uh, before the pandemic, a recent study showed that, you know, 79% of kids are, are, are watching TV or watching internet, you know, every single day, which is double what it was five years ago. And the average is seven hours a day of screen time before COVID. Wow. Before. Seven, <laughs> before. Seven hours of screen time per kid per day at a teen. And if you're uh, minority students who are next to, you know, eight and a half. So we're starting another program, uh, educational program called Caption Cool, that encourages people to turn closed captions on when you're watching screen time. Because 30, 30 minutes of screen time, you'll see the same number of words on the screen in closed captions as reading 30 pages of uh, Harry Potter. Uh, that's interesting. So that's interesting. That, that's interesting. I could see that application working in a lot of um, uh, language uh, applications as well, right? Absolutely, Kevin. It's, uh, and when you ask teachers about closed captioning, everyone says, oh yeah, my aunt, uh, you know, my, my blank uh, moved here from Guatemala and is using it for closed captions to learn English. Uh, or my grandmother uses it or for hard of hearing. But very few teachers think of it as a substitute for reading. Screen time bad, reading good. But if you turn captions on, you're reading TV and you're reading screens. And so uh, this is an ancillary up K3 reading program over the summer, puts real books in the hands of real kids. And this campaign we're trying with Caption Cool, uh, Caption.cool is to help children who are able to read as fast as people talk, which is about 150 words per minute or about fourth grade, uh, able to say, wait a minute, I can pick up, I can read a book like the BFG, which is 300 pages in a day of watch of normal seven hours of screen time in terms of words read, you know, sight words, phonics, comprehension, you know, all of that makes a heck of a difference. Uh, so if you're shut down, push the button. There's a CC button on every remote control in America. It's mandated by the federal government. That's fantastic. That's really interesting stuff. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the analytic work you do in terms of uh, data uh, an analysis. When we ask schools to send us their spring, uh, their, their, their fall, winter, and spring reading scores, and then the following fall. So whether it's STAR, Dibbles, or NWEA, uh, Accelerated AR. Uh, and then we correlate that with the number of books that we sent them and the number of books that their parents reported because we send them a text. Did you read The Curious George? And they send us back 306, the uh, book inside, you know, the number inside the book. And so we know what kids got what books 
and how, when they mailed them, when they received them, and when they reported them as being read, which is an amazing piece of data. And we have uh, a half a dozen uh, university researchers looking at it. But the University of Wisconsin and the University of Arizona, uh, University of Austin have all re put out reports and studies that have used uh, in a quasi-experimental nature, uh, which is a level two ESSA certified uh, study, that the students picked up between 1.7 and 2.5 months of learning over the summer, depending on their level of engagement and uh, participation in the program. And so that's independent, uh, done you know, by these researchers using the data that the school provided on reading scores and the data that we provided on the number of books read. And we can marry that by income, by race, by age, by gender. And we certainly find that the lower income kids do even better. Hmm. So is that a, a, as a result of their parents' involvement or what? Uh, we found there are four key, uh, four key elements that make a difference between how well your reading score improves over the summer. The first was, do you get to pick the books? And if, you, if a kid picks the books, he's twice as likely to read the books. So uh, schools that just hand kids a bag of books at the end of the spring without regard to gender or desire or uh, preference, they end up sitting in a, you know, gathering dust over the summer. Uh, the second is an excitement program to engage the parents and engage the, the teachers ahead of time about what this program is and understand that you're going to get a book a week and expected to report on it. Uh, the third is uh, that we offer rewards and certificates for kids who read all nine books. And uh, behind me, you can see a stuffed animal. So uh, these are reading buddies. So kids will read to a to a stuffed animal for an you know for an hour when they may be reluctant to read to a peer for ten seconds. Right, right. Uh, and getting a certificate and award and recognition, and of course, uh, the schools that participate in multiple years they keep getting better. Kids didn't know about it the first time. They didn't realize it. They forgot. The teacher didn't you know get excited. But once kids start to get excited, they get better and better and better. So we engage the teacher, we engage the family, we engage the kids, we give them pedagogically correct uh, information, and we track where it started and where it stopped, and we track what parents feel and how they're responding, and we support like heck over the summer with phone, chat, email help and support, you know, every day, seven days a week in 100 languages, because all of that means that it's easy to be engaged and it's so easy not to be. It's so easy to, well, no, the parents don't care. Well, they do care, but they need help. Right. So what kind of platform are, are you communicating with the parents? Uh, you mentioned email and you mentioned text. Uh, as a result of the pandemic, have you moved over to any sort of video-based platforms? Um, to some degree, most of ours, we started off five years ago, six, eight years ago, making phone calls with a touchstone response. Uh, because we could have an uh, excitement. The principal could send a message, hey, you know, I see you're reading, nice job. And we could target those messages. Uh, more and more, about 60% uh, this summer were text messages going out, uh, and 30%, uh, I'm sorry, about 10% were voice, and 34% were through the app. And we upgraded our app to show those questions and uh, gamification so that a kid can see 
how many books they've read, and along this Candyland-looking game, how many books the rest of the kids in their class have read. So they can see how they stack up uh, with the kids in their class. And that was new to help, you know, because when you're in class, you can talk about it every day. When you're out of class, we're going to give you a way to pretend that you're, 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 you know, looking at the next desk over and saying, how are you doing? Right, right. So we've talked a lot about what your organization has been able to do to respond to the pandemic, what you did before, what you're doing right now. Let's talk a little bit about going forward. Um, where do you see your organization uh, changing and advancing because of this? And talk a little bit about the, the future. Uh, we found that uh, by mailing all of the books instead of mail sending some to the school for a family reading event, uh, our cost comes down. Although the mailing cost is higher than the shipping cost, the logistics were, were much more expensive. So we were able to take some costs out of the business uh, with some of these changes and the online forms were easier and such. So we were able to lower our costs by 30%. Uh, for next summer, wow. and uh, guarantee not, not, uh, guarantee a more books for less money. Yeah, and uh, that was a response. You know, it cost us you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to get there, but it was worth it. And uh, in development or development, uh, the the second thing is that parents want are much more engaged with their kids than they ever were, but they need easy ways to keep doing it. And there's certainly Zoom fatigue and home fatigue and quarantine fatigue, but a book under the covers with a flashlight is still a book under the covers with a flashlight for a second yeah. grader. Yeah. And getting that new book in the mail every single week, that's one of the other things we did with the pandemic is uh, we put them in a cadence, so they're going to show up every Tuesday. And it just gives you something to look forward to and put a level of stability in a season with no stability. So it's funny, Lee, but usually in these conversations, um, desperately looking to try to find some positives uh, from this past year. Uh, and, but you've already done that. Uh, we've talked about greater parental engagement. We've talked about more kids uh, reading. Uh, we talked about new communications between uh, parents and teachers and students. What other sort of positives have you seen uh, come out of this chaos? The biggest positives is the, the sheer number of educators who are heroes and uh, doing what they do with the lack of resources that they have um, is just astounding. And then the parents who are laid off or not working or struggling to make food or struggling to feed their families or struggling to pay the rent. Um, or struggling to pay the utility bills or having a choice between them um, are uh, rising above it. And when we provide, you know, a little bit of stability and a little bit of uh, learning that shows up every single week, and when kids read books over and over again and mom read to me, mom read to me, mom read to me, um, that's a comforting cocooning that happens when there's fear outside. That's when true. there's uncertainty in life. Yeah, that's for and, sure. Uh, that's helping. You know, the, uh, frankly, the biggest downside we have is when we talk to parents, to teachers now, and this is aimed, you know, mostly at educators, 
is we ask you to think about next summer. And most educators are thinking, my long-term plan is tomorrow morning. <laughs> right. And uh, as, as, as frustrating and as uh, debilitating as that uh, unknown, seriously unknowns is, um, we have to keep moving forward uh, because if we don't, you know, the kids, uh, NWEA and others have shown, you know, those summer losses are going to be bigger and better, worse than ever. Uh, some people are saying that's you know six months of learning loss. Some people are saying it's only you know eight percent or ten percent. Uh, but we haven't given anyone any tests, so we don't know. Right. Right. right? We, have, we haven't tested the kids in right. the last spring. There were no tests, so no one knows where they were and where they are. And uh, so everyone's making a, a exceptions. And of course, online testing uh, when they're home and a reading is a very different experience than in a school. Right. Uh, nonetheless. Uh, if you're not reading, you're not succeeding. If you can't read, you won't succeed. And that fundamental of reading proficiency is essential uh, before the pandemic, during the pandemic, and after the pandemic. Lee, thank you very much for your time today. Um, the work that you do and your organization does is hugely important uh, for students and for teachers. Uh, and I just want to thank you for that. Thank you very much, Kevin. I appreciate it. And to all the educators out there, God bless. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And thanks, everyone who is listening and or watching whatever you're doing. And uh, click around for another episode of EdTech Today soon. <laughs>